I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello, and welcome to episode 35 of The School for Dumb Women, a weekly podcast attempting to explain the vast and very well-known facts of the universe. As well as investigating the things you're too proud to admit you know nothing about, we also enjoy bizarre themed intros. So, I'm your hostwoman and star of Babe, Pig in the City, Hannah Varrell. With me is comedian and barnyard animal with no solid purpose, Alexandra Haddo. I'm not saying I'm worried, Hannah, but if I don't come up with a way of laying eggs soon, I'm off to the glue factory. And author and wisecracking rodent, Caroline O'Donoghue. Hi, Hannah. I'm an untrustworthy disease carrier who started the bubonic plague, but hipsters will insist I make a very good pet. Well, now I feel like washing my hands. This week we're figuring out what puts the dry in dry cleaning, where leg hair comes from, and what exactly is brown sauce. So, Hannah, you look like something I would forget to pick up for weeks. Are you my pill prescription or an unusual method of cleaning? I hope I'm not your pill prescription, Alex, because you've been forgetting about me for a long time. Oh no. Well, that explains how flat-chested and mentally stable you are. (laughs) Yeah, I decided I wanted to look into dry cleaning. Because I always walk past dry cleaners and I've always wondered how they clean stuff while keeping it dry. Um, And then in that case, why do they have big washing machines? What's happening there? Yeah, I've got no idea, actually. Why is it so expensive? And also, I always feel like dry cleaning is a lie to try and charge me money. And I've shrunk many expensive items due to that. Yes. Very unfounded Mm. theory. It's so weird that you picked dry cleaning this week because I actually went to a dry cleaner for the first time with an item of clothing this week. (gasps) I know. What? So it's, um, there's a dry cleaner, there's two doors down from me. It's called MS Dry Cleaners, but they're missing the the first, like, full stop. So it's Ms. Dry Cleaners. Oh, amazing. (laughs) It's like feminist dry cleaner. A modern lady. Well, I'm glad that we're all equally as ignorant about dry cleaning, apart from Caroline with your newfound experience. Um, But basically something about dry cleaning makes you feel very childish. Um, And I have a theory as to why that is. And that's because, like most women our age, I grew up watching American sitcoms, Friends and Things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they've got, you know, things that make them adults like coffee and high heels and stuff. But also, they are always doing dry cleaning, right? So true. I was about to say Sex of the City made me think about dry cleaning. Like, the the New Yorker's life is coffee and picking up your dry cleaning. Yeah. That's your whole life. And then going to get your dry cleaning and hanging it over the sofa while you have your coffee. Oh, completely. There's so many sitcom plots that were just built around the collecting and dropping off of dry cleaning. Yeah, exactly. And the mixing up of clothes with the dry cleaners as well yeah. before job interviews. Basically, yeah. they have no washing facilities in their own home because they're always at the laundrette or the dry cleaner. Yeah, constantly. Mad. So I thought maybe that's the reason why millennials don't feel like grown-ups. And it's not because... <gasps> 
we can't oh. afford houses and we can't afford kids or pets it's because we don't do dry cleaning true is that where the whole adulting things come from maybe that's that whole trend wow yeah, blow my like mind I've here Han cracked into a whole new element of millennial angst yeah and Alex it's interesting you said everyone's always at the laundrette as well because apparently it is more of a thing in the US in specifically New York and LA because people are less likely to have a washing machine at home so they do kind of rely more on laundry and dry cleaning services than we do in the UK so I thought as well I should investigate how it works and it's not actually dry what it's not actually dry cleaning is it damp cleaning well it's called dry cleaning because it doesn't use water but it does use liquid but the liquid is a chemical solvent what really yeah so lots of delicate fabrics uh, degrade in water it you know, changes their fibres somehow. There's a sciencey reason behind it, but that would be far too boring to get into. Yeah. Um, and lots of clothes will sort of fall apart in the washing machine because they sort of mash stuff about quite a lot. Yeah, they're not gentle, are they, washing machines? They're not gentle, exactly. So the most common solvent is called tetrachloroethylene or perchloroethylene, um, which in the industry is called perk. Which is Perk. quite cool. It's like Perky. quite breaking mm. bad, isn't it? Yeah, you know like... the dry cleaners now. You're going to all the trade shows and asking them about their perk. How much perk have you got? <laughs> is there anything? Can I like go and buy this chemical and like save myself loads of money? Or I not? don't know actually, uh, but it might be quite dangerous. No one's oh. quite sure if perk is dangerous uh, for people who work in dry cleaners. Particularly, it's a worry um, because inhaling it sort of regularly could be carcinogenic, meaning it causes cancer. Um, and it's going to be banned in residential buildings in the US in 2020. Wow. So I, I mean, love that. It's really dangerous. We'll wait two years. Bizarre, that's the, right? That's the GOP. But isn't it administered through like a steam thing, right? Uh, n- no. So uh, what happens is the clothes are put into the, you know, kind of washing machine drum with this solvent and kind of mashed around. Um, and then the solvent is drained and recycled for next time. And the clothes are dried in the same drum. It's like a washer dryer kind of thing. Um, and the vapour of the solvent can also be collected then, which is quite good, recycling. Um, and then the clothes come out and then they're ironed or pressed, which is probably oh. what you're thinking of. Oh, Yeah, yeah I think yeah, it's just yeah. them ironing it, but the steaming's way more fun. Yeah. It is more fun. Exactly. That's um, mad. So, like, for what um, is supposed to be for incredibly delicate, expensive clothing, it yeah. sounds like a very, uh, like, industrial, rough process. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought that they would go into a machine and be smashed about at all. I would have thought it was just like, oh, there's some stains on the armpits. We'll treat those yeah. areas we'll specifically. It, you know, with silk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe they do that for some specific uh, items of clothing. But oh. in the YouTube videos that I watched, Caroline, they just slammed it all into the machine. Fuck me. All right. Uh, so how was it invented? You ask me. I Yes, that, that was my next question. <laughs> Correct. By Mr. Dry. No, Mr. How many times? Every single week, Alex. What's it called? By Mr. Whatever it's called. It's my favourite joke. <laughs> Sorry, I, w- I want you to do it forever, but I want you to know that you do it forever. <laughs> I didn't know. I feel very seen. <laughs> it's okay, Alex. Mr. Seen will help me. <laughs> um, apparently there is evidence of people washing clothes with stuff other than water as far back as ancient Rome. What? You don't say. Yeah, and dry cleaning shops were found in the ruins of Pompeii. What? Right, which was destroyed in 79 AD. They're not, they're not dry cleaning shops, though. They were just washers. I mean, they didn't look the same as the dry cleaning shops these days, but they were shops that cleaned clothes using substances other than water. Wow. And they used lye. Um, clay and ammonia from urine and so people who worked in dry cleaning shops would go around collecting urine from bathhouses and stuff that's so weird because I spend most of my time trying to get piss out of my clothes (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, yeah, and then in terms of modern day dry cleaning, there are two kind of opposing views of who started it first. Um, and it was either a Frenchman, Jean-Baptiste Jolie, oh. who invented it in 1825 when his maid knocked over a turpentine lamp onto a tablecloth. Wow. And then apparently when it dried, there was a stain there and the stain was gone. Uh, but I think then his maid invented it. Yeah. Correct. Well done, well done mate. That's like saying mold invented penicillin, though. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, whatever. <laughs> if mold is a woman, then I'm on her side. <laughs> Um, so he opened the first modern dry cleaning shop in Paris in the early 19th century. Um, and then the other theory is that in 1821 in New York, there was this African-American tailor called Thomas Jennings who filed a patent for dry scouring, which sounds basically like dry cleaning. And with the proceeds he made, he made lots of money from it. He opened a shop and bought his family out of slavery. Good for him. What a great story. I was about to say that French man, whatever the other one is, I'm taking his side. But no, I'm definitely <laughs> taking Thomas Jennings' side. That's horrific and and good at the same time. Horrific that slavery existed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but great that he bought everyone out of slavery. Hi, Alex. Hope you're well. Sorry for my late reply to your email. Would you still like to attend this week's Women Who Code Mixer? Best wishes, Caroline. That sounds great. Do I know you? I'm busy, sorry. What the hell is going on? I'm smart replying, because that's the topic of this week's Women Who Code Mixer. This week, in what is fast becoming the woman whose place in society is threatened by AI mixer, we're looking at Google's new feature to render as obsolete, smart replying. Hey there, I'm using WhatsApp. That's nice, dear. So, essentially, this new technology will gleam insights into the context of your conversation and suggest three replies for you to choose from, like, yes, that sounds nice, ah, sorry, I can't, and look, I only gave you my number because the world has taught me to be polite to men, I'm not actually interested in you. See, I think that's quite helpful. Yeah, I guess so. But it, it does mean that our phones have even more insight into our conversations. Uh, we'll probably eventually steal our boyfriend. Oh no, I left my phone at home tonight. Then I'm afraid it's almost certainly filleting Gavin as we speak, oh, Caroline. Oh God, it's going to be so much better than me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so tell me, how does this witchcraft work? Okay, code, Caroline. Ah, I'm, I've heard of it. Yes, <laughs> the answer to all of our dreams and now suddenly all of our nightmares. Uh, The coding connects two neural networks, one that's used to encode an incoming text message or email or whatever, and another that calculates a response. So the computer processes your message in terms of a number of vectors that it has to learn. It kind of learns how you talk, and if it's like a question, it says tonight or tomorrow. It knows that it's like, you know, plans, or if it's like, you know, that kind of thing, um, which is scary. Um, And then it kind of predicts the three most likely responses you're going to be likely to give it it's, it's really good though because sometimes I get an email from someone that's like oh it's like three parts or whatever and I, I, I freak out because they're asking a lot of me and, da, 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 and then the Gmail will come up with a three suggested response and it would be like very simple straightforward response and I'd be like oh I don't need to say anything complicated I can just say <laughs> no Thursday Bye. Bye. yeah Bye. I know what you I mean I think it's yeah. quite good I've used it quite a lot and the only thing that reassured me was that apparently the hardest part of developing this whole technology was privacy so that the machine understands what you're trying to say and like no humans are ever reading your message because the privacy laws are oh, really strict. Yeah. Interesting. Ah. Although obviously now we know that machines are going to kill us anyway so they probably wrote that bit yeah. in to like they pretend did. like they don't do you know what I mean so mm. we're fucked really. Sorry I'm not around that day. What? 
Out to lunch. Uh, I think Hannah is malfunctioning again. Okay, okay, Hannah, I'm resetting you. There we go. Um, okay, so guys, if you had to have an ideal situation where you had an automated response for it, what would yours be? Oh, PRs, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So I, <laughs> I'm aware I'm aware this is an incredibly niche uh, thing to have a problem with, and I realise that not all of our listeners are freelance journalists who work from home, but I get about 900 emails a day asking me to review hotels in Mauritius. And not even like for a press trip, just like, do you want to go to a six-star hotel in Mauritius, review it on your own dime, and then tell us about it. Like, but, but no. Are they, but are they paying for it? No. Uh, They're just like, right. why don't you go? Uh, <laughs> I'm Japan, a very expensive holiday. No. So your response would be like, I'm not interested. Thanks. If you are paying, I will go. <laughs> I mean, yeah. If it is free, I will go. Actually, like, that would be my automated response to anything. Is it free? If so, yes, I'm there. <laughs> yeah. I think mine would be when someone tells me bad news, because I'm always really bad at saying the right thing. But this would be like in real life. I need a Google auto reply for real life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, That's what I mean. Yeah. Oh, like my cat died. I'm always like, it had a good life. It's like, I've never met this cat. I don't know. <laughs> but you're great. Yeah. And I assume it was yeah. happy with you. Exactly. Yeah. I actually think mine would be, I'm really sorry and I'm bad at confrontation and I think you're a lovely person, but I don't want to go out with you. Please don't make this worse than it already is. And then I can just click that button and not have to type it, which is the worst part. I can't believe people <laughs> ask you out over email. It's so glamorous. Well, you know, sort of messages. You're like Meg Ryan and you've got mail. God, I wish I was Meg Ryan. Caroline, you've turned up today looking like the inside of a bacon bap. What is that about? Mm, jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Porky. (laughs) Porky, aren't I? Um, Yeah, this week uh, I was passing uh, Greenwich Park, went into Heap Sausages to get maybe the best bacon bap of my entire life. Wow. So good. They're about £3. Too expensive for a bacon bap, in my opinion, but delicious. Wow. And what made it all the more delicious was I got it with brown sauce. I was like, fucking hell, I love brown sauce. God, I used to have brown sauce all the time, and now I've... You're right, it's... And I think, I think, you know, I think most of us have grown up on brown sauce, haven't yeah. they, really? Like, you have a, like, I, I kind of very thing of, you know, potato waffles or fish fingers or whatever. Mm. Whenever you're having, like, a, a dinner where your mum's not that bothered, you yeah. have some brown sauce on the side. I don't think I had brown sauce in my childhood. I should admit now before it gets <gasps> oh. too far. Hannah, you're an aristocrat. Yes. yes. This is the thing. Brown sauce is very, very evocative. Brown sauce is actually, as I've discovered in my research, like, British shorthand for a certain kind of class. Oh. I don't think listeners of the podcast will probably have discerned by now that Hannah grew up slightly more middle class than the other. <laughs> <laughs> Some are more middle class than others. No, I mean, I'm a yeah. full scumbag. No, you are a full scumbag. I'm middle class, but from Ireland, so has kind of scumbag. Tendency. Yeah, it's not the same, is it? It's not the same. No. Whereas you're fully like parents are academics. Yeah, well, yeah, I grew up in southwest London, so that tells you everything you need to know. Yeah. Totally. And, you know, I'm not holding it against you, but I think uh, your exposure and feelings for brown sauce are very much based on where you grew up and how you grew up, um, which is really fascinating. But to dial it back a bit first, uh, do you know why HP sauce is called HP sauce? I do. (gasps) Do you, Hannah of of Richmond? (laughs) High protein. (laughs) (laughs) No. What is it? 
Houses of Parliament. Houses of Parliament because oh. the design on the bottle has the Houses of Parliament illustrated on it. And the reason for that is because the original recipe um, it was invented by this guy called Frederick Gibson Garton and he was just a grocer from Nottingham. But his recipe got so popular that um, they found out that it was being used in the Houses of Parliament like in their canteen. Oh, right. And uh, yeah, it became HP sauce after that. He wanted to capitalise on being like, this is this is what they eat in at the seat of the country. So it was originally like quite a fan thing I guess in a way I mean the, the weird thing about brown sauce is that like it's sort of seen now as being quite working class um, but if you think about all of the stuff that's in brown sauce like do you know what's in it yeah isn't it like quite spice like herbs and spices uh, it's a lot it? of spices it's um various spices there's dates in it dates is the chief ingredient wow which is weird because dates is now quite a hipster ingredient like it's the one of the key deliciously Ella you know ingredients yeah. in all of her things I bet um, she'll bring out a fucking fun free <laughs> oh, she brown sauce. Yeah, that is around the corner, my friend. With soy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's got molasses, apples, tamarind, spices, vinegar, sometimes raisins. Um, it's kind of, it's very tart. It's quite peppery. Yeah. A lot of flavor in brown sauce, I think. I think... Um, God, I want some brown sauce right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think the reason that people associate it with sort of working class um, and, and and the North in general, I think. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially daddy's sauce as well. Like there's a there's even like a class divide within the brown yeah. sauce community, which whether you do HB or whether you do daddy's. Um, Hannah's looking at me. Hey, look, I've come from space. I don't know what that is. I feel so alone. It's all right, mate. It's okay. We're not judging you. Um, I am. I'm judging myself. <laughs> And and it's kind of easy to see why that would be because it's like it's a very it's packed full of flavor it's full of spices. If you're you know lower income and you have to eat like a lot of carbs in your food, if you have a lot of yeah, potatoes, yeah, yeah. a lot of bread, a lot of kind of quite bland, quite starchy, stodgy food, a lot of sandwiches. You need something quick and simple to just make it more interesting on your palate. Do yeah. you know what I mean? And that's not to say that like poor people can't cook or or whatever, but it's just like that's the fact of it. If you need to make a lot of food that's very starchy and very carby you can spice yeah. it up with brown sauce and that's just really easy no, it's totally true like, yeah, yeah yeah my dad absolutely loved it as well so I kind of grew up on like bacon sandwiches with HP sauce yeah and funnily enough um, ketchup was during the war it was very hard to um, get a hold of because tomatoes were rationed so people it really boomed like in the war and post-war period because mm. rationing didn't end until the 1954 so it was the year my dad was born so I make a joke about him being overweight because of that <laughs> I'm sure Jeff is very appreciative of that. Um, so yeah, one of the um, the post-war prime ministers is this guy called Harold Wilson. He was one of the first Labour prime ministers, not the first, but like he was like in the, in sort of Labour's first big heyday. Yeah. Mm. Um, they started calling HP sauce Wilson's gravy because his wife said in an interview, um, if Harold has one fault, it's that he'll drown everything in HP <gasps> sauce. Oh. Little and advert there. For little them. advert there, but that was quite. Um, an evocative statement because like Labour back then as kind of slightly opposed to how Labour is now if we're you know honest with ourselves was so much the party of the working man then and yeah, that was yeah, like yeah. like a, a real thing to like to be a man of the people do you know what I mean like yeah. I, I cover my fucking pie and brown sauce do you yeah. know what I mean I'm one of you it's like if I have a, a roast at a pub or anything I'm still ashamed to ask for either brown sauce or ketchup because it's still seen as like well yeah. you were a scumbag then well I had that the first time I had a roast in England and I asked for butter with my roast potatoes and everybody at the table looked at me like I was a fucking tinker like no, that sounds delicious it is delicious yeah I've never had a roast dinner without butter on the table um, but yeah so this caught me thinking I mean it's a huge huge topic but there is such a really a classism within the sauce world like um, do you remember during the election 
uh, during the American election, Donald Trump, it was revealed that he um, he ate his steak well done, covered in tomato sauce. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, um, and I, I remember all the kind of uh, liberal blogs at the time like had a field day with this because it was something you could make fun of Trump for that wasn't like it was just silly it was just yeah. like oh mm. he's got no taste he's like this rich guy but he's kind of a hick or whatever and it was like re- it was like all the big food websites were just like having a great time with this Yeah, and it's almost like obviously there are plenty of reasons to hate Trump but the fact that he eats his steak the way millions of Americans eat their steak is actually not one of them do you know yeah, what I mean yeah, yeah. and so it, like it was one of those like examples of like it wasn't about what president you wanted to vote for or who, what you believed in. It was about like you're on the, you're this side of the ketchup divide or that side. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it was it's like so this weird... entrenched actually, right? Yeah, yeah. Because like must English mustard is you know quite a posh condiment. Yeah, so it's it's so it's so strange. You can almost draw a straight line between Harold Wilson dr- like drowning everything in HP to yeah. like Donald Trump and his ketchup and his steak. It's yeah. so strange. And this is how badly I'm conditioned. Is like Harold Wilson. I'm like, yeah, what a guy. And Donald Trump. I'm like, oh, what a peasant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then yeah, it just becomes it comes it became about so much more. Do you know what I mean? Than just about like oh, what president? It's like who stands for what lifestyle? Yeah. And obviously yeah. there are more people who grew up with ketchup on their meat. Do you know what I mean? Like so much sauce politics around. Yeah, it's a, I think it's huge. I think I'm going to write something about this. You should. Um, but getting into it, like I, I was reading, obviously, you know, you're Googling brown sauce and a lot of the articles that came up were from like The Guardian, Telegraph. Yeah. Some of the shit I was reading about brown sauce <laughs> made me fucking furious. Like, like what? It made, it's like, you know, every every single good reason to despise The Guardian was like in, uh, in these brown sauce articles. So there was one from a few years ago about how there was a 20% dip in the sales of brown sauce. Right. And it was essentially um, this this food writer on The Guardian saying that um, brown sauce reads, tastes and smells like the idle creation of some Phileas Fogg type just back and hugely overexcited about his adventure in the British Empire. It is not so much a recipe as a chauvinistic, flag-waving, smug, muscle-flexing case of look at the size of our spice cupboard. Oh, oh fuck off. There's so many words in that sentence. I know. It produces an unholy trinity of brutal sweetness, acrid spiciness, and vile vinegary twang, one peculiarly British in its lack of culinary sophistication. Come on! There was another one, because um, if you've ever spent any time in Edinburgh, um, their version of brown sauce, sauce and chips... Is it's kind of it's like a brown sauce with more vinegar in it, mm-hmm. and uh, there was a quote in the Guardian saying, um, "Because we all know they're openly frightened of tomatoes and all salad." Oh, it's really? just oh. so smug, and I'm just like, "Oh fuck yourself!" What did <laughs> brown sauce do to that writer? Yeah. Jesus. So I do think, um, you know, in short, you can navigate where somebody fits sits in British society by how they feel about brown sauce. This is abs- This is literally. Yeah. <laughs> Round of applause. This, this is my, my goop one every now and, it and then. Is. This is your Pulitzer one. <laughs> Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. 
Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Alex, you're covered in attractive bristles. Are you making a feminist statement or are you just happy to see me? Oh, I'm always happy to see you. I've got little hair boners all over me. Ooh. Ooh, that was a horrible sentence. <laughs> I disgusted myself as I was saying it. <laughs> uh, yes, this week I'm doing leg shaving. Hmm. Yes, I'm investigating that this week because we got asked by Chris Courtright, a friend of Scott Kersey, top listener of the podcast. Hello, Scott. Hi. And other top listener, Kat Arney. Uh, I'm just going to read out Cats just for ease. Uh, she says, here's my multipartite question for you. Shaving your legs, why do we do it? Whose idea was it in the first place? Is it bad? Because patriarchy. And how far up should I go? Oh, great question. Yeah. So do you guys shave your legs, armpits, vaginas? Every so often. Face? Mm, some, I, I do. I, I shave my armpits fairly frequently. I shave my legs maybe three times a year. Yes, and then yeah. you have that really satisfying one when it's like the first time you ever shaved your legs. I know, it's like being a girl again. <laughs> <laughs> and you feel like an eel sliding down you a little do. Prosecco fountain. <laughs> you do feel like an eel. <laughs> I know, that's the thing, because I don't do it like as rarely as that, but I don't do it very regularly. But when I do, I always feel great. Mm. So yeah. then I'm like, I should Sooner. actually do this more often. Yeah, yeah. I feel like more streamlined. Yes. <laughs> I feel like I can feel my clothes on me. You know what I mean? Yeah, you really can. Especially yeah. if you moisturise. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, I looked into sort of where it originated, where it started from, um, and why we did it. And essentially, like all good modern feminist things, it started because advertisers realised there was some money in it. Oh, no. Let's say. Yeah. What if we could sell razors to women? Yeah. Double our marketplace. Honestly, that's you've, you've hit the nail on the head. Cool, great. Yeah. On the razor. <laughs> um, I even read a, an article today that said they, can, they think they can actually trace it back to the May 1915 issue of Harper's Bazaar wow. in the US. Wow. I mean, there was a couple of other factors, like um, in the 20s, uh, fashions changed, like flapper dresses came mm. up to the knee. Oh, sure, so your yeah, legs more were leg out. out. But, you, but most of the time you're wearing tights or stockings. It started with your armpits, really, in 1915. Oh. And then, and then when the dresses raised, it was like, shave your legs as well. Then in the 30s, hemlines came down again, but by that time, the, the sort of Gillette already had its teeth into the market and women felt like they had to sort of shave. It wasn't, it wasn't very widespread, though, but it was definitely it was creeping up the whole time, if you yeah. know what I mean. But that's when it started in 1915, so over 100 years of shaving. Mm, wow. um, of course, there are the ancient ones, all the big names, Egypt and etc. They reckon that the Egyptians loved to be like completely smooth, so they used mm. to like shave their whole body. Like Cleopatra was probably... You know, like a fucking porn star, basically. Yeah, but if you live in a very hot country, it's sand and everything. Like that's yeah, that's oh, yeah. that's a l- another thing that they said why ancient people uh, used to do it. Ancient people, <laughs> <laughs> you know, be- like but ba- basically the ancient Egyptians are thing because of uh, lice. Oh. oh yeah. So they would get less lice, or if they had lice, they would shave, and then they would realise 
the, mm. the lice would go. Um, it kept them cooler. It was more hygienic. They felt cleaner. But essentially, in kind of in kind of modern Western, I'm talking very Western here. Yeah, I'm talking kind of UK, the States, Europe. Uh, it was certainly kind of about 100 years ago. However, I did look into this today, and a lot of articles were saying. Uh, Muslim people actually always shave their armpits and their pubic hair and it's a part of the custom in the religion and I was thinking I've never heard of this before so I double checked with one of my Muslim friends and he said yeah that's absolutely true men and women and then so he said it's actually really interesting when the West talks about the pornification of body hair Mm -hmm. and like having no pubic hair and things because he says well no Muslims have been doing it for hundreds of thousands we've been sexy for ages guys yeah exactly and there's this amazing article which um perhaps i'll post on our instagram when this uh, episode goes out which traces women's shaving adverts throughout the last century and loads of them are like really shaming loads of them are like he's never going to pull you if you've not shaved oh no and stuff like that and then i also read again this is very western because in china apparently it's really not a thing yeah and it's only um like chinese students that come over here to study women that feel like they've got to shave their legs and shave their armpits mm. and, you know, all that sort of stuff because over there it's not really a thing. Mm. Oh. It's funny though because I, I, it's only personally in the in the last year or two where I've started to be like, I actually don't need to do this. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, oh, I don't think from my early 20s yeah. and late teens I was like, you have to do it or else like literally men won't fuck you. But it's like, they will. Yeah. Like, they will. Yeah. <laughs> but I, they'll fuck anything. Yeah. Oh, they absolutely will. It's so funny. But like, that's exactly what I used to think, you know, maybe five, six years ago. I did know somebody that once a guy made her go and shave her bikini line before no. he would have sex with her. But we were like 21 and he was obviously just a complete prick. Do you know what I mean? Like, that mm-hmm. would never happen. However, I would say that I usually shave because I quite like it. Yeah. Quite like how yeah, it feels. Yeah, it's a nice sensation. Yeah, if you're in the mood. So is it bad because patriarchy? I guess yes, probably. Because if these adverts had never come about saying like, oh, you're gross, you have to shave your legs, would we would we be doing would it? Would we even think of it? Would yeah. we be like, oh, hairy legs, like I could get rid of that? But mm. it's not necessarily patri- patriarchy. It's more like um, capitalism. Yeah. Because men... Which is controlled by the patriarchy. Well, that's true, yeah. yeah. Because men were always told like, you must shave to be smart back yeah. in the day. So they had to shave their beards. Mm. So they just decided like, oh, what, what do women have? Armpit hair. Tell them to take it off. <laughs> I would say only about last four years, people have actually started going, actually, no, we don't have to Yeah, do I like that there's been a backlash against it, that people are now kind of going on Instagram and showing their armpits. and Yeah, uh, I like the dyed... Dyeing um, their armpit hair. I think mean, that's quite cool. I wouldn't yeah. do it myself, but I like it. Yeah, I quite like it. So yeah, Gillette, not the best a man can get because you can make your own choices. <laughs> So we're nearly at the end of the episode, but before we go, we have a very special smart lesson for you. Yes, the smart lesson is the part of the podcast where we try to inch a little bit closer to our ultimate goal, a girl's goal to end all goals, and that is becoming a smart woman. Ah, yes. One day I will be a CEO, if not of a company, at least of myself. This week, our smart lesson is hosted by author and journalist Lucy Vine, who has written not one, but two books on how to navigate the world as a millennial working woman. Lucy, hi. Hello. (laughs) Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Thanks for coming and for helping us navigate something which we all dread. 
Absolutely. Every woman has to navigate at some time or another if she dares to have <laughs> friends or a female family. Yeah, yeah. that's where yes. you're going wrong, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Just cut them all out. Yep. The yep. friend spinsters only. Yeah. Have Alex. Yep. If, you, if you're approaching sort of late 20s, just start cutting out all of your friends. Yeah. Begin feuds. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What an excellent link. Because, of course, Lucy, your next book is about... Yeah, weddings and Hindus. Hindus. Oh. Yes. Yes. So you very kindly come here today to do a smart lesson teaching us all about how to survive a hen party. Oh God, um, yeah. Could you please explain to the listeners before we begin what your qualifications are? I have none. No. Um, <laughs> um, I've been to um, approximately 100,000 weddings mm, and Hindus wow. in the last... No. Um, in the last seven years, I have been a bridesmaid every year. You do have one of yeah. those faces. Thank you. <laughs> You're just like, like non-threatening. You're, you're so pleasing supportive. to look at. You've got that lovely, lovely bridal hair. I bet. Yeah, I bet you. there's so many fascinators has been in that head. Yeah. Honestly, Lucy yeah. has amazing hair. Yeah, like I do. Yeah. You have angel waves. It's like Catherine Heigl wedding film hair. Yeah. Yes. Well, this yeah. is a bit 27 dresses, isn't it? This, yes. this book I've written. So yeah, I've written a book called What Fresh Hell, which is coming out 8th of March. What yeah. Fresh Hell is just an inherently funny phrase. It yeah. really is. Good. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. yeah. So that's about. Um, uh, hellish um, year of weddings that this girl has to go on called Lila. I'm not really forming sentences very well, am I? <laughs> so good job it's not You're my actual. Great. You form them well in the book and that's what's important. Oh, yeah, yeah. Written down, I can handle. No matter if you're a gibbering idiot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just the outlouding, I just can't really do. <laughs> so is it based on real life hen parties that you've been to? Oh, this is tricky, isn't it? Because I don't want to alienate all my yeah. friends. But that's um, such a diplomatic no. way of saying yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, yes. Uh. Uh, no, not really. I mean, some of them, um, some of the moments, I guess, are definitely inspired by moments in my life. But mostly, it is like most of my friends have been absolute angels when they've been brides. I just think weddings kind of bring out the best and the worst in people. Right. And everybody just kind of goes a bit insane, and you have that kind of conversation with your with your friends about how like they're going to be the exception and no way are they yeah. going to be and you have to be they're like be- yeah girl you will yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then and, yeah. then and then they're like I wasn't like that and you're like no you weren't like no. that you weren't like that you were, you were really really fine you were just chill yeah. you were just so focused on everyone yeah. having a good time how are all those hens that you never speak to anymore <laughs> That we paid eight hundred pounds to oh go on God. a night away for. Oh my God! <laughs> oh my yeah, gosh. I just I haven't really had a holiday in years because all my money just goes on head dues. Oh God! Oh God! Yeah. So, what are your top tips for surviving then? For the smart women of today <laughs> who are forced to have friends uh, <laughs> and uh, go to these yeah. hen parties, like how do you get through it? If you can oh, alienate God. all your friends first, that is. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So alienating friends would be my top tip. Yeah. Um, and then second would definitely be um, a lot of alcohol and 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 just generally being really useless as a human being so you don't get asked to organise anything that is so helpful being openly publicly useless yeah Yeah. 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 and if anybody gives you anything to do just you know drop whatever it is you're holding yeah (laughs) just immediately smash some glasses on the ground Um, oh oh, no I'm so (laughs) hopeless yeah Yeah, you want to get that Chandler Bing dropper reputation early on (laughs) absolutely do don't you yeah Yeah. that's it so I mean although I've been a bridesmaid I haven't really been trusted to actually organise much the great thing about the patriarchy isn't it is yeah. that if you don't do something some other woman will just yeah. step up uh, so all my true. friends are so maternal they're such organised I'm just just friends with PAs 
basically. <laughs> so oh, that they do everything. Excellent. Yeah. Oh, but I mean, if you're going to get anyone to organise a Hendo, it needs to be a PA, you know? Yeah, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. They know all the hotels. They yeah, know everything. exactly. They can get free goodie bags. Yeah. I don't know. Can they? I don't know. I feel <laughs> really bad about this because I have some wonderful female friends who yeah. I'd love to support, but I, if I'm really honest with myself, I'd rather accompany them to an abortion. <laughs> Then to their head. Do both. Can do both. Abortions are over quicker. Yeah. My Uber rating is still trying to recover from the last abortion I took my friend home from. (laughs) He did not like the backseat chat. Amazing. Um, Yeah, I mean, just really get drunk. It's not actually the Hindus that I really hate. The actual Hindus are usually quite fun, aren't they? um, <laughs> it's just the sort of bit before where there's so many that would be another tip don't let anybody else get involved if you have to organise a Hindu don't make it like five different women with five different opinions on every single oh, thing yeah. Yeah. that's been hellish in the past it's the amount of organisation yeah. that goes into fun mm, exactly that yeah. pisses people off and yeah. also because you don't generally like know a lot of the hens that you're going it's because it's obviously you know they bring together their work friends and yeah. their uni mm. friends and their school friends and so you end up sort of emailing women that you don't know and demanding money and yeah. then yeah. chasing them really nicely a week yeah. later and there's then some great still being email ignored. threads in your book oh thank you <laughs> like between different women mm. kind of being like oh hi uh, what's the date again and she's already told them the date yeah. it's just <laughs> chaos and there is chaos. always one that just keeps sending the same email over and yes. over again don't they yeah <laughs> Yeah. And also emotionally blackmailing you um, as per their closeness yeah. to the bride. Like, I just think we need to make things really special for Sarah. Yeah, I know. She deserves it. She's had a really bad year. Her parents split up. It's like, yeah. oh, fuck off. As if I'm like, oh, I want you to have a really shit Hindu. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and there's always someone that, that goes further, though, like wants to hand make uh, loads of gifts for everybody. Oh, God. And you have to try and live up to that. So, yeah, the way other top tip would, would be just be really rich going into uh, yeah. this. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Just because you're never going to get the money back for things. <laughs> there's so many extra things that you don't realise that you have to find the money for at the end like you know stripper tips and stuff yeah exactly yeah, yeah. like the 20 quid cab free fee exactly. for vomit yeah oh that's true yeah. yeah you haven't done a good job if you haven't made the bride vomit yeah exactly yeah, yeah. So we have a quick fire round for you now oh God. Okay. Um, with a few things that we want you to tell us your stance on. Okay. <laughs> uh, number one, Willy Straws. Oh, classic. Mm, I'm quite, oh, this is meant to be quick fire, isn't mm. it? Okay. Uh, yeah, no, I hate them. It's not even the williness. It's the <laughs> it's the fact that you can't actually fucking get anything out of yes. them. Like the liquid doesn't fucking go through <laughs> the willy. Bad straws. Yeah. yeah. Uh, butlers in the buff. No, they make me incredibly uncomfortable. I hate them. It's one of those things that I you think them. will be cool, but actually yeah. when it when it comes, there's yeah. like loads of actual admin. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And, oh. and I always get stuck like looking after them and feeling really sorry for them. Oh. Yeah, the last one I went to couldn't even make drinks. Like he, oh. he just stood there. God love him. Getting sexually what? harassed, yeah. That's awful. I know. What's oh. the point? I want actual butlering from my butler in the bar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I would not even just, yes. uh, just an elderly man with like 50 years <laughs> oh of butler experience. Yeah, that would be wonderful. Like your man from the butler, remains of the day. Yeah. Oh. Like, <laughs> oh my God, yeah. If I ever have, have a Hindu, I'm going to have an actual butler. Yeah, a proper remains I'm of the gonna day. Have a, I'm going to hire just a like, butler. And like his whole thing is like he's quietly in love with you. Yeah. <laughs> That's what women actually want. He's <laughs> oh. <laughs> just like he's loved yeah. you for years. Just looking longingly across the room. Are <laughs> yeah. you trying to get a drink through your willy straw? Euro trips. <laughs> is that trips to Europe? Trips yes. to Europe. Yes, it is. Or anywhere, really. Places where you have to like fly away for several days because someone's getting married. Right, yeah, no. 
Yeah. No. Mm. I mean, it's it's maybe one good thing about Brexit. <laughs> we won't be able yeah, to go to Europe really true. anymore. That's an excellent point. No, we can't just like fecklessly go to yeah, exactly. Prague anymore. Yeah, fantastic. But that does mean that we'll all get dragged to Skegness and probably have to pay the same. Uh, yeah, that's true, yeah. God. Oxfordshire. Hope you like Edinburgh. <laughs> yeah. Ten times a year. Um, and the final one, I think I already know your stance on this, but saying no to the invite in the first place. Oh, well, that, I mean, the message of my book is like saying no, but I can't say no. (laughs) I've not learned that lesson. I've said no. Have you? Yeah. Um, I lied. How? (laughs) Do you just say, oh, I'm busy? I brought forward the date of a holiday. Like two days before I was actually going. Oh, that's fine, though. That's pretty good. But the worst is, though, when like, where it's like, oh, it's like November of 2018. And it's like, oh, um, so we want to do this in May in 2019. Nobody plans anything that far in advance. And you have to be like, oh, I'm, you know, busy. (laughs) No, I did did sort of say recently, um, I was very proud of myself. I said, I was like, "Um, actually, I've got uh, four hen weekends next year and I'm trying to save. So I'm sorry, I can't. But I'll be really happy to see you at your wedding yeah but that's oh, what you should lovely. be able to do yeah. and, I, and but don't people get offended yes because then you're not as important <laughs> as those other four Hindus that person yeah but, or, but you make it seem like oh they just got in the calendar quicker it's yeah. like a first come first serve basis but everybody thinks that they're so special and like they should matter more than others <laughs> yeah and nobody can accept that this is just happening every day of but my can't life can't we just all have a big piss up in the yeah. town that you live in that's love that would be lovely wouldn't it I just want to like be I locked go to in Corby. a room <laughs> <laughs> like, no, not that you're from. Like oh. London. Oh, as long it. as Jeff's there, I want to be there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My dad will be there. That's fine. Oh. <laughs> so Lucy, um, where can our listeners find more information about this book and about you as a human being? <laughs> Ooh, um, I guess Amazon. It's it's available on Amazon and, and in bookshops, I believe. Um, they can follow me on social media. I, I'm more of a Twitterer than anything else, mm-hmm. but... So my handle is at L-E-C-V, the initials. They're my initials. <laughs> Very nice. Do you have a three-letter Twitter three, uh, name? L-C-V? No, L-E-C-V. So my name is Lucy Elizabeth Constance Vine. Well. Yeah. So You couldn't have been anything else but an author with that name. Right. Where do you stand on brown sauce? Oh, what? Sorry, that's the question of the podcast. Where do you stand on brown sauce? Not a fan. Uh-oh, have I got to... How much shall I leave? No, well, no, um, Hannah is also not a fan, so you've... I've just never really experienced it. I've I've never tried it, and I'm also not a red sauce person either. Oh, we just no sauces, just a dry girl. I don't mind a a mayonnaise (laughs) every now and again. I don't mind a cheeky mayo. (laughs) Just to be crazy every now and again. (laughs) That is a white sauce. (laughs) Lucy, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Fantastic. Well, that's it for this week. We hope you are less of a complete moron than when you started listening to this podcast. Thanks to Lucy Vine for her smart lesson on how to survive hen parties, Gavin Day for our logo, Harry Harris for our jingle, and Soho Radio Studios for our recording space. Thanks also to Kat Arney and Chris Courtright for sending in questions about leg hair. If you have any questions, comments, or free money, you can reach us on Twitter and Instagram at dumbwomenpod or on email dumbwomenpod at gmail.com. Your honest reviews on iTunes are, as always, also appreciated. Thanks. See you next week. Hey. 
Hey, I'm Alan McGuire. And I'm Anton. We are two of the three co-hosts of a podcast called Juvenalia. Our third co-host, Sarah Marie Griffin, is not here. Juvenalia is a podcast where we talk to an interesting person about a piece of pop culture that they were obsessed with when they were a child. So if you want to hear Sarah from Tegan and Sarah talking about Madonna's future there's work. Or hear about Maria Joelle Kennedy and why her favourite film is The Wizard of Oz. Or hear Caroline O'Donoghue talking about Frasier. And subscribe to us on any podcast app you might be listening to right now. Okay, that's See the ad. Then. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.